Hey guys, this is Sharad with Recently Podcast. Super excited to have Alex Chandik on this uh, podcast. Alex and I, we briefly interacted on our Facebook group, but really haven't had a chance to like really get to know him better. So I'm very excited about this uh, podcast. Hey, Alex, uh, welcome to Recently Podcast, man. How are you? Hey, good, Sharad. Thank you so much for having me on. Very excited to be on. And uh, you just taught me something when you did that intro. I thought it was RE simply, but after being a user for years, I just learned that it's re simply. So uh, it's, I, I just said re simply. I mean, a lot of people say RE simply. I just say re simply just because it's like faster, I guess. Uh, but it's interesting. Uh, okay. I didn't, when we started the company, I didn't think it would like be even, uh, people would even like notice it. But it's like anytime when I meet someone, it's interesting. Most of the people call it RE simply and I call it re-simply just because it's like faster and easier. Yeah. I, I for the for the longest time I thought it meant like real estate simply, but it's yeah, I mean, that's recent. Is that, that what it's what it means? For? That's yeah, that's oh, what it stands okay. for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. But it just yeah. That's exactly what it stands for. But yeah, Alex, yeah, mm-hmm. thank you so much for being on the show, man. Yeah, tell tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're joining from, what do you do, and how long you've been, you know, doing it for. Sure. So I've been in real estate since 2017, we'll call it. Did my first wholesale deal in 2018. And now in 2023, so many years later, we are on our 106th wholesale deal. I do Tampa, St. Pete, Orlando, anywhere kind of in like the central Florida market. I'm based in St. Pete, so I like to do most deals in my backyard. Uh, Most of what we do is wholesale, wholetailing, some light fix and flips. And then just actually looked uh, at our first apartment complex today to purchase. Yeah, kind of a a mix of everything in terms of ReSimply. For the bulk of my beginning of my real estate career, I was a, a Podio user. And then um, I think with a lot of Podio users, not saying anything bad about it, but I just didn't have the time to build it out like I wanted it to. So after doing a lot of research, ReSimply made the most sense. So I can't remember when I made this switch. It was years ago, but we've been using ReSimply ever since. And it's it's been a, a big game changer for our business and just awesome. in terms of or- organization. Cool. Thank you so much for that, man. Yeah, I'm curious um, what got you into real estate i just want to learn a little bit more about that like what were you doing and like what was the reason for getting into real estate so straight out of college in 2000 and gosh i have to think back to so long ago uh 2014 i started in medical device sales i was doing hearing aids and i had a receptionist who ended up quitting his job one day because he bought an apartment complex and it was paying him more in passive income than i was paying him so he kind of showed me the numbers on it, and I realized, man, this guy is really onto something here. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, wealth to be created and made in real estate. So I went back to my office, and I think I Googled, like, how to get started quickly in real estate. And uh, Tom Kroll, his Wholesaling Inc. program popped up. So I purchased that. was supposed to do my first deal in three months or in 90 days. That's kind of what the program is about. And it took me 15 months because I'm a slow learner. But we uh, finally got our first deal done. That brought us to 2018. And actually, after my first real estate deal, my first wholesale deal, I made 13000 But I had to pay off the $12,000 that it took me to get there. So I netted a grand. And I remember distinctly telling my wife that I was never going to do that again. And I was done with real estate. And maybe a week later, um, so I was doing direct mail at the time, someone called me back with a house that they were in desperate need to sell. So did that deal, paid off my car with that deal. And then I kind of started thinking like, hey, like maybe there's, maybe this real estate thing's going to work out. So um, 
after a lot of bumps and bruises, got the deal flow going correctly. And that's what we've been doing ever since. Isn't that amazing? That second call that you got from the seller or the call that you got from the second seller that just changed the trajectory of your, like, uh, of your business. I it was imagine not getting that call. I, I can tell you this when, when I met him at the property, cause I would do everything in person back then, but I met him at the property. I knew that it was, I knew it was, he was motivated by how he was talking, but we, we go to the property and it was a tenant occupied property. So it was a rental for him. And he's like banging on the door and the tenant just whips open the door. And this guy puts his hand out and says, Hi, I'm Bruce. I'm the owner of this property. Are you my tenant? And I was just like, <laughs> talk about an absentee landlord. Um, wow. And the tenant, yeah, the tenant was like yelling at him because stuff needed to be fixed inside. There were cockroaches everywhere. And uh, in my mind, I'm like, wow, this property is gross. But the other half of my mind was like, this is like going to be a great deal. And it ended up being a great deal. So it's kind of funny how, you know, as time goes on, you realize like when you do like these in-person seller appointments, there's just these little like clues here and there that yeah. you know, if, if I would have done that appointment now, it would have been like, holy smokes, this is a smoking hot deal. But back then I was kind of like, you know, apprehensive about it. So, but yeah, none, nonetheless, it was a great deal. That's awesome, man. But why wholesaling? You know, the assistant that showed you numbers was doing buying apartment complex. Like what was it about wholesaling that you decided to go into wholesaling and not you know, uh, being a landlord or buying apartment complex? Great question. So I kind of looked at the different avenues in real estate. There was, um, you know, buying apartments, you could do that. I think a big part of it at the time, which would have been, you know, as the years went on, like 2015, 16, I, my wife and I, we knew we were going to move to Florida. We were living in Illinois at the time. So I didn't want to buy any apartments in Illinois and then have to like try to manage them from Florida. And I think the other thing was I looked into being like a traditional real estate agent, but then I realized how much work that was and doing all the showings on the weekends. It just didn't really interest me. So wholesaling was a part of real estate I had never heard about. And it was almost like a too good to be true part where, you know, the way it was advertised was if you don't have any money, if you don't have any credit, even if you've got a criminal history, you can do this. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> I don't have a criminal history, luckily, but, you know, just just the way that you could do it. And it, uh, the, it was so flexible. There was so much freedom within it. It could be done virtually. I think that's what really appealed to me. And, and obviously that, you know, making, I don't want to say quick money, but uh, a way to make quick money that that appealed to me, too. But I always knew it would be a gateway to transition into bigger and better things. Um, so it was kind of like I knew I was going to get started in wholesaling and then down the line after I, you know, I got more tools in my tool belt, I'd move on to bigger, better things. Okay. So what's your long-term goal now? Like using wholesaling as a means to keep more revenue and then eventually going to, you know, like buy and hold. That's, that's what most investors look for, right? And uh, getting uh, passive income. Is that kind of what you're looking yeah. to do? Yeah. So we actually, um, that's, that's precisely what we're doing. So 2024, our game plan, we've got a whole chart on how we're going to build out our company. Thanks to Brent Daniels, who we were just at his event. Um, so we're going to hire more employees to really get the company going. Because right now, I'm pretty much doing everything from soup to nuts, which I don't mind doing. I can do it, but we'll wholesale most of the properties. And then the stuff that's really good, you know, the stuff that's like, you know, 10 to 30 units, what I classify as the smaller apartment complexes, we'll start taking those down for ourselves. Um, and we'll do, you know, I don't want to say flipping them, but buying them, increasing the NOI on them, 
um, refinancing them or 1031 exchanging them into bigger properties. And we actually, this morning, we went to go tour our first 35 unit. I actually got duped on it. I, I had a seller that wasn't the actual seller, but I did meet the actual seller there. He was quite surprised to, to see what we were doing on his property, unwelcomed. So it was a seller lead nonetheless. But um, I guess today, oddly enough, was kind of like my first uh, experience with multifamily. And how do you like... Uh, financing? The, are you working with private money, hard money loans, or traditional financing? So some of it is my own cash just from the business account. Some of it is private lender money. Um, some of it is I have a home equity line. And then uh, the other thing that we're just starting to do is doing a, uh, a business line of credit, unsecured, my favorite type. So it's kind of just cash from all different sources. And then uh, for the apartments, we also have a few partners um, on the property management side that can provide uh, capital as well. So there's one thing I've learned in real estate is like every property is like a big pie and you can do everything in the pie. You can bake it, you can serve it, but it's a lot easier when you find other people, capital partners, property management, and you team up on it and everyone brings their collective resources to the table. That's how you can do more deals. And then how are you finding these uh, these deals? Uh, what's your like marketing channels that you're using for your single family, you know, and then your large multifamilies? So what we do is we download huge public records lists. Uh, we use foreclosures daily. We use list source. We use batch leads sometimes. We skip trace them. We also have a VA that gets the missing numbers too. And then typically we will SMS. We just got really big into cold calling. Um, and then we'll be expanding into PPC as well to get the leads. But I will say... Biggest, most important part of our direct-to-seller marketing machine is the follow-up. We follow up like crazy with our leads. Um, one of our leads we're under contract on right now for a wholesale deal. We followed up with for five years until we finally five got years. the deal. Wow. Five years. We never gave up. We, we let appreciation do its thing. He still wanted the, his 2017 price, and we said, sure, we'll give it to you. So, wow. um, yeah, it's it's really follow up, follow up, follow up. And um, one of the things that I really like about RE Simply, can, can I tell a little story? Yeah, of course. So this was deal number, I want to say like 70 something. It was, no, maybe it was, I don't know, it was a couple of years ago. We had this guy who was in foreclosure who had a house that sat on a triple lot in a neighborhood where there was just new construction everywhere. And uh, we actually got him off of uh, an SMS. He responded to our SMS. And I think he said something like F you. So I was just like, you know, I, I was this close to throwing the lead away, but he was in foreclosure. So I put him into RE Simply. And I was just like, you know what? Let me just try a different message from another number. Let me just see if he'll respond to it. I put him on a hot drip campaign. And two days later, he responds and he says, Write me an offer of four hundred sixty thousand, or don't ever talk to me again. Four sixty. I think my max offer was like five hundred on the property, <laughs> so I was just like four sixty. I was like, that's a hundred percent doable. So I texted him. I said, okay, what's your email? Gives me my email. I sent him the offer. He signed it. We got the deal done, and we wholesaled that one for I want to say like five twenty. So, oh wow! Yeah, it, yeah, it's so so. Sometimes it's like you know, again, it, it's in the follow up. Especially that's why I, I use the RE Simply Drip all the time. But it's just, for us, it's just, it's in the follow-up and just identifying leads that maybe they are distressed, but they just don't want to admit it yet and just letting them know right. there's help out there. So I'm curious, you know, I want to I want to double click a little bit on that follow-up. So what have you noticed? Like, is it 
a particular message that you're sending or is it just being consistent with the follow-up? Is there like something, you know, like a secret sauce to follow-up that you've noticed that really works or, you know, just consistency more than anything? It's consistency more than anything. Because if we put ourselves in the shoes of the seller, so I'm in the Tampa St. Pete market. It's a very competitive market. Sellers are getting boatloads, postcards, letters in the mail, cold calls, SMS. So it's kind of like, you know, Sherrod, for you, I'm, I'm sure you probably get like letters from your cable company in the mail. And they probably right. just go straight in the trash like mine do. I'm, I'm just numb to it. If my cable company called me, though, and they kept on calling me and I knew the name of the person that was calling me and I had it saved in my phone each time, then I'd be like, oh, OK, you know, my, maybe when it's time to upgrade my service, I'll go to them. But that's what we do with the sellers. The first few times we try to contact them, it's usually, you know, they, they've got their guard up and then. We usually can get them on the phone once or twice or text them. Sometimes I'll even just like text them my, my Instagram and I'll be like, hey, here's some houses that we bought. If you want to follow me on Instagram, go ahead. But I try to, to really humanize our follow-up so they know that the voice at the other end of the phone or the text message is coming from me, a human who lives nearby them. And that just over time, you know, seller situations always change. One year might not be a good selling year, but the next year, you know, a spouse might pass away and a seller wants to move to a different state to be near their children. So situations are always changing. And I like to be that person that, you know, they just have in the back of their mind. So when it does come time, you know, instead of them calling all these postcards and talking to all these new buyers, they've had these years of rapport built with me. And we can say, okay, now it's time. Let's go ahead and see if we're a good fit for what you need. So consistency is the answer. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. You know what I've noticed? I, I usually give, like you gave a perfect example about the, the cable company. I, I give an example of like a car dealership. You keep getting the postcard once a quarter, you know, you're not to throw it. But when you're in the market to buy a car, just by subconsciously, your mind is going to go to the, you know, the, the, the company that had been following up with you. And yeah. it's amazing that how many investors we notice they try to make it super complicated and like oh i'm gonna send this perfect sms i'm gonna send this perfect <laughs> mail piece and i tell them yeah. if you had to just do one thing just send them consistently follow up with them you know nobody's gonna sell you a house because you had the exact perfect word in your text or you had the perfect design in your direct mail yes you know of course i mean if you choose between two different mail pieces choose the one that's better but don't obsess about it. Just send a direct mail piece or send an SMS, call them, just do something, just be consistent with it. So it's, it's really great to hear that that's kind of what you uh, notice. It's the consistency, consistency, consistency. I mean, we even say with the marketing, when people ask us, hey, what's the marketing channel I should start with? I said, the one that you can stick with the longest. That's it. Yeah. They all work. They all work. It's just like, are you willing to stick with any marketing channel for six months? If you're going to do direct mail one month, SMS next month, cold calling next month, then might as well not do anything because none of them are going to work. You may get lucky, but on a consistent basis, you're not going to get anything. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And it's, it's tough to be consistent too, because sometimes you're teetering on the edge of, wow, this person hasn't answered like four or five right. of my calls over the past few months. Am I just annoying them? But you know, right. Especially when I find like sellers that have another iPhone, because I've got an iPhone and you know the text pop up blue. And especially if they've got their read receipts on, like you know they're reading each one of your text messages. Right. So yeah, you know it's just it's humanizing it. It's being consistent. It's funny you use the car example, and I'll I'll just give one other example based upon that. I hate buying cars. 
I hate the whole car dealership thing. I hate the pushiness of it. So a year and a half ago, when we bought my wife's car, she got a, a BMW X5 for Christmas, which is a wonderful car. But the only reason I went with the dealer that I got it from was because the, the salesman, he would only text me. He delivered the car to our doorstep. We did not have to go there. All the financing was online. Our schedule is just nuts. We've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So like we have no time ever pretty much. But he was just consistent. I'd ask him for things and then he wouldn't give me an issue. He would just tell me how he could deliver on that. And the other day I got a phone call from him after a year of not hearing from him. He just called me and said, hey, how's the car? And I said, good. He's like, you want to buy another one? I was like, probably in 10 years. He's like, all right. Talk to you in 10, or he's like, he's like, we'll revisit it in 10 years. He's like, but I'll call you next year. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. So he's my car guy. I know him. Right. I trust him. I like him. He's a human. I know that when I text him, it's his personal cell phone. He's not sending me direct mail. I never get anything from the dealer. I didn't ask them to send me anything. They communicate with me the way that I asked for. And it's like, there's that mutual respect with that. Absolutely. And I will definitely buy another car from him because... He was, he gave me everything that we asked for. And I, I was satisfied with that. So we try to do that with sellers too. Like we had a seller yesterday where one of the heirs was not willing to sign a purchase contract until they saw a sample HUD. And usually we don't do sample HUDs until we have the purchase contract and everything at title. But I was like, let me see if I can make an exception for you, which the title company was cool. And they did. So I sent them a sample HUD and they said, thank you. Of the other investors we've talked to, no one's been able to do this. And the seller was a very analytical type. And she said, it just makes sense to me to see everything on the HUD Absolutely. to know to know that, you know, this is actually going to happen. I said, yeah, sure. Anything else you need, you just let me know and I'll see if I can bend the rules for you. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's about about doing the, you know, in order to get in front of the sellers that give you, you know, give you an opportunity to just make an offer. That's that's like the first step It just to earn enough trust from the seller that they allow you to make an offer. And after that, you know, you have to deliver on it. You have to go above and beyond, you know, especially in a competitive market. So I love that, um, you know, you gave that example. I'm curious with the follow-up uh, now, you know, in a more regulated, you know, uh, environment that we live in with SMS, like, you know, with the whole 10 DLC and whatnot. Is that, are you changing anything with your follow-ups related to that? Or you still, for the time being, kind of, keeping it the way it is like with the follow drip campaigns yeah follow drip campaigns or just like even for the legion side of it like with texting and whatnot is that having an impact on your business are you looking to do anything differently i mean like from the sms side you know i, I go through the same thing with everybody else with like the and what is it called like the a2p A2P. Yeah, yeah that stuff my texting was down for a couple of months and everything, but, in the, and I've had to switch my messages. They have like the opt out language in them or whatever. But what I try to do, so you're right, I am in a competitive market. So I try to get things that will are, are, are like attention grabbers for sellers. So what mm -hmm. I've found works for me is I will intentionally misspell things in text messages. I will intentionally send things That's that make idea. no sense. And when they respond back, on the automated line, I go directly over to my cell phone. And what I like to say is, hey, my, my computer's having trouble today. I figured I'd call you from my personal line. Did you get my text? And I'll, like, I'll screenshot them a picture of what they responded to. And I'll say, hey, just use my personal line if you need to contact me in the future. I'll say, you know, computers are, are stupid sometimes. And I just, I, I wanted to get their response. So then they can know there's a human at the other end of the line. But that's kind of my way of doing it. And um, 
I guess I go through the same things that everybody else goes through right. with all like the, the A2P crap and, you know, some text not being delivered and this and that. I just, I always try to find the, the, the best way to humanize it and work, work around it because, you know, I'm not immune to the problems that everybody else has with it. I unfortunately. It's a, yeah. <laughs> it's such a brilliant idea to like move back on and then send them and, and then say something like, I, I think it's amazing. It's brilliant. Hey, computers are stupid. That's like such everybody. It's like, yeah, they are. You know, everybody's yeah. had computer troubles. They're like, yeah, they are minus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and especially yeah. a lot of the sellers that we work with, um, you know, we, we, one of our most consistent lead sources is, you know, absentee. I think it's like over the age of 55 owners with equity. And I can tell you of working with most of the sellers, they don't like things like DocuSign. Yeah. Uh, they, they prefer, you know, phone calls. They love, humans they like human to human interaction so when you say computers are stupid they probably already had a computer problem that morning so they're like yeah computers are stupid so yeah yeah, we just we um i think we try to kind of play the part with it i think that's brilliant i also love the idea of you sending them your instagram just to humanize the entire conversation interaction i think i think that's brilliant I, i i haven't heard anybody do that i think that's these are like fantastic fantastic ideas that you thank you and it it took me a while to get to that level of comfortability but um years ago i had a seller that was just he was convinced i wasn't human or like i just wasn't like in his own backyard or something so i just screenshot my social media i think on on my instagram at the time i had like a a picture of my wife and i at like a a local restaurant i sent it to him he's like oh is that so-and-so restaurant i was like yeah do you like that restaurant he's like oh yeah i go there with my wife all the time and it was like, boom, like his guard yeah. came down. We started building rapport. So yeah, you know, on my Instagram, it is, it's my personal one. I mix business in there, but I do that specifically because there's not a lot of other competitors that do it that way. So I just, I, I'm always trying to like, be like the apple of the industry. You got to be just a little bit different than everybody Absolutely. else. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's the way to go about it. I just especially in the day and age, especially with the demographic of sellers that we're dealing with, you know, for, I think it's safe to say like most of the investors, they're buying their properties from generally sellers that are 50, 55, you know, absentee is a big pool of that. And then just to humanize the conversation with them and just to, you know, say something or have the interaction with that they got down and building trust with them. I, I think that that goes along. long, you may not have, the seller ready to sell at that point, but you want to be the first person they call when they're ready to sell. I think that's that's the thing that you uh, that needs to be kept in mind. You know, we're going into a new year. Kind of, what are your goals uh, for twenty twenty four? And then, you know, especially related to marketing, are you looking at? Let's say, you know, we're at the end of twenty twenty four. Like, what would have happened where you would say, "Hey, this is a great year," and what are the things that you're doing to make sure you get to that uh, that goal? So great question. So just behind this cheap black piece of plastic from Amazon, I've got my whole binder from Brent Daniels event. And um, what I did with 2024 is I, I, in my mind right now, we're pretty much already in 2024. Right. And I, I say that because it's fourth quarter. 2023 for me, I'll, I'll start my explanation there. 2023, we so we had our second daughter at the very end of 2022. And for a while, we had a two-year-old and like a one-month-old at home, and now it's a three-year-old and a one-year-old. But 2023, I, I made no goals. My goal was just to survive the year, to be helpful to my family. And uh, I probably worked an average of, we'll say, 25 hours a week this year. I 
really just focused on the family. And I, I kind of put the business aside and I said, I'll do whatever deals are good and juicy. And that's exactly how the year went. So 2024 is going to be a lot different. I'm going to call it my comeback year. So we're putting all the pieces in play for, I kind of consider it like the rebirth of the business. We're going from just me to a team now. So in terms of monetary goals for 2024, we're going to do, I'm not going to say what we want to do, but we are going to do um, a minimum of 1.2 million in revenue. And of that, we will have $600,000 in net profit. We want to be operating at 50% profitability. And that other $600,000 is going to be reinvested back into the business. So that way we have money for payroll, for good, high quality A players. Uh, we're reinvesting back into the systems. We're spending money uh, intelligently on marketing. Um, so it's, it's going to be a year of firing myself from various parts of the business and right. making a, a, a team of just absolute A-plus players so that way for future years, we can do 1.5 with 750 net, two with one net, and so on and so forth. Um, so in essence, I'm copying uh, the, the Brent Daniels business plan step-by-step step, pretty much. Brent's amazing. Yeah, he's such a fantastic operator. And I love the, uh, by the way, yeah, good luck with that goal. I love that how it's very specific. You know, it's not just, hey, I want to do a billion dollars in revenue. I want to do 1.2 million and then have 50% net profit and then reinvest uh, reinvest more into the business. Would you say like right now in your business, like the team is the biggest like piece that you're missing in your puzzle, like building a team on? It is. Um, I've, I've hit that critical mass several times of where you, this business works like a stair step or like a staircase. You'll be working, working, working. And then what I find is I get three to four deals. I then dispo three to four deals. I then close three to four deals, but while I'm dispoing and closing them, I need to be getting three more deals because the revenue looks like this. Yeah. Um, and there's absolutely, I've tried every way to solve that. And the only way that I've found that works for other people, like Brent's team, is having a team. I love doing everything from A to Z most of the time because I'm a, I'm a big control person. I know that I can do it the best, but as time and time goes on, I'm... 32 years old now. And what I'm watching with these other companies, competitors is they're hiring these 22 and 23 year old hotshots straight out of the local universities that want to learn sales. And these guys are just crushing it with acquisitions. And I say this because I'm friends with some of them. And I'm like, the older I get, I don't want to be competing with these 20 somethings that can, you know, right. work 80, 80, 90 hours a week. That's great. I did that for part of my life, but I am in the efficiency stage right now. Um, so I feel like I've, I don't want to say I'm like better than going on appointments and stuff. But what I, what I do want to say is I have the knowledge now. I want to basically give back and, and make people right. or give, give people the employment opportunity of being an acquisition manager, right. being a lead manager. Um, and I, I feel like that's going to be a lot more uh, effective and just overall like i feel like i'm doing people a disservice if i keep on hogging all of it and not giving other people the opportunity for it yeah and i think i think that makes sense and you have to look at as your business grows like where do you add the most value right i mean if and mm -hmm. then you also have to look at it you know there's one thing that you know you may love doing one part of the business but is that the best roi on your time like for example let's say you know we're running recently and I absolutely love doing, let's say, customer support, handling tickets, for example. 
but is that the best use of my time for the growth of the company? So, you know, I, I think you're looking at absolutely the right way. Are you following any EOS system or anything just to like build some structures and processes around your business? We don't have the, I've read, I've read the book a few times regarding um, EOS, but so, and that was, that was part of my like missing steps of like what to do. So when I went to Brent's Rhino Roundtable event Thursday through last Sunday, he pretty much gave us a binder and everything in it goes over all the different steps and processes, what each job role does, how each job role handles the lead, hands it off to the next person, hands it off to the next person. And I don't want to say like when he was presenting it, like I knew all of it, but I, I had heard it so many times and now it's like okay i've heard that i understand why this person does this i've got it on paper now it's time to implement this so i'm going to be copying most of his stuff because he uh his main business he's a uh, joe homebuyer franchise mm. and you you could tell with what he gave to us he tweaked a lot of it for his business so instead of reinventing the wheel for every system because that's where i've fallen flat a few times thinking i had to do that um now that i've i've got a hold of all this information and I recommend going to round a round table for anyone that's looking to really start a team. Now that I've got everything, it's like, okay, time to implement all yeah. of it. So we, pr we pretty much have it now. It's and, and of course the first uh, round of implementation probably isn't going to be perfect, but we at least have a roadmap of every system and process that we need to implement. Absolutely. And I think it's always great to just start with a system that somebody else has. And then as you go along, you're like, okay, you know, this was, really good to get us to this point let's just tweak it a little bit to make it more you know specific to our business needs and then you can get started with that so yeah good luck with that man we just recently implemented eos in our business um and it's it's been a game changer just kind of knowing that okay you know having a cadence of meeting knowing what to expect you know knowing who's accountable for what it just uh, you know gave a lot of clarity and accountability in our business so yeah that'll be that's that'll awesome be cool man all right moving on i want to ask you you know you said you have a three-year-old and a one-year-old uh you said boy girl or uh, both girl both girls both girls nice nice yeah i have a three-year-old daughter and my son will be seven next month and it's, it's amazing i mean that's the it's uh it's such a joy to spend time with them, just see them like grow up, especially on like holidays and stuff, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Yeah. Cool. Oh yeah. They're, um, they're, they're really the whole reason why I do this business and they are definitely the, the best part of my day. I love nothing more than putting my phone on do not disturb at about 4 PM and yeah. just uh, being with the family. And uh, I get a lot of like, other investors and prospects that are like, you don't answer your phone between four and eight. And like, Listen, I love my business, but I love my family a lot more. Um, I can do this business thing at any point in my life, but you really only get one shot at raising kids, and that's oh, it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and they so they I grow up so fast. They grow up so they, fast, man. They they do. And I, I look at my three year old who's going to be four in March, and she, she what she'll do is she'll take my phone sometimes and just like imitate me, and she'll go, "What's up?" Because that's how I usually answer the phone for people that I know. And then she'll pretend to have business conversations. And I'm like, these kids are oh sponges. God. They just they soak up everything. So I, that's why right. I, I really try to be present around them. I try to not be on my phone. I try to be playing with them because they remember things more than they we do. could e even do. think to know. Oh, man, they so. do. You know, I read um, like one of my favorite books is The One Thing. I read it um, like, really like once a year. 
I, I read it the first time I read it, the book talked about, you know, people sometimes get so busy in their business and they have the story that they tell themselves why they're not spending time with families because they say, you know, they're busy, you know, working on their business so they can make up for this time when they sell their business or, you know, they reach a certain income level, but you can never make up for time. And the book talks about specific example. Like if you have a five-year-old going to the birthday party of your five-year-old kid, you know, it's not the same experience as going to the birthday party of your 15-year-old kid. They're only going to be five once. The experience that you're going to have with your kid, you know, when they're five, I mean, it's not going to, you, you can never, you know, make up for that. So that, like just that that part of the book had such a big impact on my life and it just told me hey especially i read it i remember that i read it before i had my son I'm like all right i'm gonna make sure i'm present with him you know at the end of the day everything we're doing you know all the investors or anybody in the business they're doing it for their family and then if you're not spending time with their family then i look at it like what's the point you know you're never going to be able to make up for the time so I appreciate you having that and, you know, sentiment and then being present with your family. Yeah. Yeah. That's at the end of the day, family is all we have. So absolutely. man. Yeah. Cool. All right. What do you do for fun? I hate to say it. I don't, you know, obviously you as a parent, you know, there's just not a lot of spare time in the day, but for fun, my wife always gets on me for not having hobbies, but probably the, the most fun part of my day besides family, besides business, be, I, I am a somewhat avid CrossFitter. I do love working mm-hmm. out, like to get my stress out in the gym. So I would say lifting weights, or sometimes I aimlessly scroll through TikTok and look at, you know, funny TikToks. <laughs> but, I know. I do that um, on YouTube shorts sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, there's just any time that I'm you know, not working or with the family, I'm, I'm probably sleeping or working out. So, but I will say that as life goes on and the kids get more independent, there will be more time. So things that I will do for fun, um, I'll dust off my golf clubs and and hopefully get better at golf. There you go. The book that has had the biggest influence in your life, you could name personal business or both. I've read a good amount of books and it's usually on the second or third time that I read them that it really has the impact. But I'm going to say uh, Never Split the Difference um, yeah, by, I forget who it's by, but yeah, never, never Split the Difference. It's just so much of it applies to negotiating with sellers, which is so, so, so important right now with the current market conditions. So I would say Never Split the Difference is, has had the biggest impact on my life and business. Awesome, man. That's a fun question. If you could spend a day with anyone, dead or alive, who would you want to spend the day with and why? Currently, and this is just specifically for business, I would probably spend it with Jeff Bezos. I believe he is a master at systems, just looking at the machine that he's built called Amazon.com. Yeah, Yeah. I, I I would spend it with him and I'd ask him a lot of, why do you do this? Why do you do that? What problem did this solve? Yeah, it'd be Jeff Bezos right now. Or okay. either him or Elon Musk, or if I could just spend the day with both of them, really. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be that would be a fun uh, fun get together. Yeah. 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 Just to know how they think. All right. Uh, cool. Last question: How can someone who's listening to this uh, podcast get in touch with you? Probably the easiest way is on my Instagram. Let me just pull it up. It's just Alex Jandic official. Okay. And we'll put it directly. in the sh- yeah. We'll put it in our show notes also. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah, just follow me on Instagram. Uh, shoot me a DM. 
I would give out my phone number, but I've made that mistake a few too many times. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just uh, just DM me, follow me. I, I put a lot of our real estate journey on Instagram. Try to really show the the behind the scenes work. Awesome, man. Hey, Alex, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. It's been really, really fun connecting with you. Thank you for sharing, you know, all the knowledge and wisdom that you have. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for building a badass CRM. Thank you, man. Thanks.